Yo, what's up? It's Alex from Young Culture, and you're listening to We Podcast, and we know things right now. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 210 of We Podcast, and we know things where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, live here on Squawker, Sam Matura. Cowabunga, dude. So yeah, I know I know what that's in reference to, and I'm not going to say it. But uh, I am so psyched to be here with you tonight uh, because Squawker's working like a charm. So we're live on Squawker. We had an awesome interview we're about to talk about, and the Mandalorian is back. And everybody, you're getting this episode a day early. Who's so, better than uh, us? So, like, you know, what besides the fact that where we live is arguably the most uh, 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 important place to be in the country right now, um, yeah, who's better than us? Come on, Philly. We need you. Don't let us down. No, Philly ain't letting anybody down, my friend. That shit is over. It's just the rest of the state. So let's just cross our fingers and hope that Pittsburgh gets in line. I don't know. I made that up. But here we are. Episode 210. We got a nice show for you tonight. Listen, we're going to talk about an interview that we had to reschedule last week. We just got done it. So we're double dipping tonight. This is our second uh, episode of the evening. But we'll talk about that as that one just wrapped up. Available Monday as a bonus episode. We got our picks of the week. We got trivia. It is 14 for me, 13 for Sam. There is a possibility I could wrap this shit up tonight. So that'd be sick. We have movies uh, where we have, we're going to pay respects to a fallen legend. That's where our top three is going to be housed tonight. Uh, arguably, our the t- arguably the toughest top three we've ever done. Uh, for you. Mine was as easy as could have been. Oh, so gosh. yeah, I am not an Indiana Jones guy, so it was very easy for me. Um, but we're going to pay respects to the late, great Sean Connery and do our top three Sean Connery performances. Like for you, dude, I didn't envy you for this one. No, dude. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, my God, I, I didn't even know where to start. Like this was tough. Even my list now, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> when we get to television, that's probably where the bulk of our show is going to be tonight. We're going to do a, uh, a spoilerific. So, you know, again, if you haven't seen it, skip through Uh for this, but we're gonna have a discussion about the season two premiere of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. We've been waiting for a year for this show to be back, and it's back in all of its Star Wars glory. Oh, is it Friday yet? <laughs> and and you know what? It's usually Friday tomorrow when we when we go on, but we're recording on Wednesday, so we still got two days to wait, my friend. Uh, and and we still don't know who won the fucking election. So there's a lot of anticipation going on right now. I feel like when we wake up on Friday and watch The Mandalorian at 5 a.m. because we're psychopaths, uh, then that's just going to be a great morning. It's going to be a great way to start the day. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's the only way to start your Friday. Assume, as long as you're not working, that's how you start it. Sam will take over in gaming where we don't have a lot tonight. So we just have a couple stories in gaming. I'll then go into a review i was gonna do it last week but i wanted eli hertz to get a little bit of spotlight all to himself uh because i just loved a couple of the songs on his ep and i wanted to shout them out the fucked up things about us still one of my favorite tracks of 2020 and thanks to eli for uh shouting us out on instagram appreciate you buddy but got a different album review tonight wanted to give this one its own spotlight as well so we'll talk about that before sam ends the show with his cgc spotlight but before we even get to our pick of the week, because that is where we customarily would start, let's talk about an interview. We had uh, an interview scheduled for about a month now, 
and it was supposed to be last Wednesday because it didn't happen for, I'll take the blame for that one. It didn't happen. We were able to reschedule it for just about an hour ago. Now, um, Alex Magnan of young culture, an up and coming band from New York, more specifically, Albany, New York, uh, now living in NYC. We had him on for a show, about a 35 minute conversation about their new uh, LP that just dropped. We actually reviewed it on this show. It's called Young Culture, a self-titled LP. It's 10 songs, just over a half hour. And it was a really fun conversation. And what a great, like, what a great dude. I mean, he's 22 years old. Number one, I wish I was 22 again. But to hear his passion and like ask him, like, is there anything else besides this? Like, no, this like this is this is it. This music and, and this is where his heart was and all their hard work is finally paying off. And while you're thinking about that, all I'm thinking of, I got a fucking decade on this guy. I know. Uh, when you said his age, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I had a decade on this guy. Like, that's unbelievable. But regardless, age is just a number. 32 is the new 22. So whatever that means. I mean, I, I wish that was the case, but I know that's not that's not right. It takes me a lot longer to wake up than it did 10 <laughs> years ago. Uh, but what a great conversation. Like you said, you know, we, we covered that. We talked about the album. We talked about signing the Equal Vision. We talked about the Albany music scene. We talked about f- regional food in Albany. Just a, we, a whole breadth of topics. And of course, we hit him with that rapid fire 10. Bam, 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 bam. Rapid fire questions. He did a great job in the rapid fire. There wasn't one time where he's like pass or I don't know how to answer it or that he took, he was very on point. With I mean, that. the I only one I know that was tough when you ask somebody what your top three, you know, touring musicians are a little tease there for the episode. Like I know that's, that that's gotta be tough on the spot. I'm sitting there like, all right, it would be squeeze the Beatles. And <laughs> yeah, uh, your list is so outrageous. His was, <laughs> you know, his was a little more down to earth than yours. <laughs> Say anything. <laughs> the Beatles. Yeah, and squeeze. Oh my God, Iron Maiden actually might even be on my list. That'd be sick. But uh, really fun interview. It'll be available as its own bonus episode this coming Monday. So what's that? November ninth. So Monday, November ninth. Check it out. Alex Magnan, Young Culture bonus episode. You won't want to miss it. And by the way, uh, if you're listening to this episode the day it drops. You have until about 6.30 p.m. the day this episode drops. If you go to our Instagram story right now, we have a link to a Young Culture song in our Instagram story. One click, it'll take you to it, and you can rock out. Um, So we encourage you to do that. That'll get you hyped up for the interview. You won't want to miss it. Great band, great record, super fun conversation. But let's go into our picks of the week. My pick of the week is The Last Ronin number one. It's the long-awaited, they teased it, Quite a few years ago that basically this story centers around a lone surviving turtle seemingly goes on a hopeless mission to obtain justice from his fallen family and friends. So I know this kept getting pushed back and pushed back. It finally came out. I read it. I thought it lived to the hype. You know, going in, you still didn't know who the surviving turtle was. I'll just, I ain't going to tell you who it is, but I'll say at the end, they do tell you who it is. So hopefully if you didn't read it, you avoided all the spoilers so far. This is going to be a five issue miniseries. Um, I know the first issue, it's already sold out of basically everyone's LCS local comic store. And I read that they printed 130,000 copies. I believe every LCS is completely sold out. You know, I think it was an eight ninety nine book or $7.99. It was one of those. And now if, if you look on e- on the FeeBay, as I call it, eBay, they're going for about $30, $35 just for mm. the, this, the standard main cover. 
also, they made there was over sixty over I think it was like sixty five or seventy variant covers for this issue. So it was something that was long awaited. I did pick up one variant issue by Matina. I think that was only limited to I think five hundred six hundred copies. So I felt like I had to get my reader's copy for one, which is the main cover, and my one variant that I kind of was my whole like my favorite variant out of the whole bunch. I didn't want to go crazy and and get you know ten twenty Julio. That's your job. You're the turtle guy. But if if you love your turtle guy, if you look what Eastman did and Peter Lard did back in the day, if you wanted that more gritty story, not the the PG version we're used to growing up, definitely check out the Last Ronin. And you know what the good thing about like graphic novels and comic books nowadays is they're very readily available digitally. So if you're not like if you just want to read it and you don't necessarily need the physical, you could you could get it online somewhere for sure. Yeah, yeah and it's I think I think Kindle it might have been seven ninety nine on Kindle. So if you don't like I don't know I like to have that book in front of me turning them pages like I like that. But if you don't mind it and you have a tablet, there you go. My pick of the week is not a comic. It is not a game. It is not a music album it is not a tv show it is not even a movie my album or my album my pick oh, of the I was week. like oh look at greg surprise album <laughs> my pick of the week is food and okay. boy howdy did i ever have a life-changing experience last i want to say thursday or friday and uh i went back on sunday to get another one and they were gone and I don't think they meant sold out. I think they meant they're already off the menu uh, because I think I'm the only one who bought one and enjoyed it. Wait, can I say what I think it is? I, you're going to get it. Is it McDonald's? No. Oh, I thought you were going to say the McRib because I saw a lot of people saying <laughs> the McRib's back. <laughs> no, I, you know I've never had a McRib. Either, I, I don't remember having one, so I, I don't know. I'm 230 a pure passion. You'd think I'd have like a bunch of them. I've never oh, well, that's had why, a McRib. That's why my guess was McRib. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about the ghost pepper donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, you actually got that. Wow. It's, I love spicy food. My ass. No, no, I mean, I so so do food. I, but I mean it, it's just like I go, it, it's so funny. Like I, you know me, I love spicy food. I love freaking donuts, but it was like when you throw them two in the mix, it's like a curveball. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I d I don't know how I feel about this. And it was a curveball that they hit out of the park. So wow. it's it's so it's a strawberry donut. So you gotta like the the, the strawberry frosted donuts, the standard. Okay, but th- there's no like donut. cream filling inside. No, no, no. It's a, just a straight up donut okay, okay, cool, with cool. with strawberry icing, right? But the way they make it spicier, the ghost pepper piece is it's these sprinkles that are actually like crystalled sprinkles huh. that that have the. Uh, Listen, it's extract. You could tell right off the bat. It's just extract. It's pepper extract. I'm sure it's ghost pepper extract, extract, but it's not the spiciest thing in the world. For being a ghost pepper donut, it talks a big game, but it's probably like a three on the spice meter. Um, the funniest part about it is the crystals in the bag fell off and got onto the other thing I got, and I didn't see it. So I bit into the other thing expecting apple. And uh, I got pepper. <laughs> so, but I was like, this is a great combination now. Now I like two things, but this ghost pepper donut, man. So I get my spicy nuggets with sweet and sour sauce. I like the sweet and spicy combo. It's yeah. something that hits home for me. So to have a strawberry donut with the ghost pepper flake, it just worked. It just worked 10 times over to the point and where I, I fucking mean this. And I, I don't say this lightly because I'm a fat fuck. I, <laughs> 
think this is my favorite donut I've ever had in my life. Wow. Now, now that is – I don't know. I had some amazing donuts in my day, so that's a crazy statement. Same, especially from those like craft donut places like Duck Donuts where they do them on the spot and Oh, like I've that. had, you know, like like there was like a s'more donut, an Oreo donut, you know, a fudge swirl donut. So, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. Just on your word, I'm going to have to go out. I'm going to try tomorrow or Friday to actually try this damn donut. Now, the, don- now the dunks next to our house – didn't have it on Sunday. And the way she said it didn't even have like a spot where it was just like the empty cage. It just wasn't there. So I don't know if they already took it off the menu because I was the only one to get one and like it. Uh, but I was very, very disappointed. Now I haven't been back this week. I'm trying to lower my dunks intake to once, maybe twice a week. How many did you throw back to just one? I just wanted to, okay. just a one and I'm, I'm regretting not getting a second. I'm regretting it. Uh, <laughs> you, but, I feel like you need like at least me too. It's like one is just a, okay. And then two is like, Oh, okay. That's better. One of like, these. Now like dunks doesn't have the best donuts. Like they're just, they're good. Unless you, you have to get them fresh. If you get them fresh, they are good, but if they're really good. If yeah. You, like, if you wait a couple hours, I agree. They, they get hard and nasty. You know, my favorite overall donut spot. I'm up between yum yums and duck. I love duck donuts, but there was something about this strawberry ghost pepper donut that has me just just I'm, I'm thinking about it now, Sam. And I just want to stop the show. They close at nine. Maybe Easy. they'll have a couple. You just never know. But I guarantee that if you try it, even if you like spicy just a little bit, because it's not overwhelming. It's not crazy, crazy spicy. It just adds a really nice even heat over top of the sweet strawberry icing that I that I am like. I don't need this. We're not sponsored by them. I don't have an affiliation with I, I them. W- I wish we were. <laughs> but like, I, I know there's a couple people out there that are probably going to DM us now and say like, you son of a bitch. I haven't eaten the donut in like, 10 years. I, I know our, our bu- buddy Foz, um, El Foz on IG, he does the, um, he does like the hot, hot sauce, sauce in the comics. Yeah. So I know he wanted to try it. So I have to ask him if he tried this donut yet. Yeah, it's so good. So my pick of the week, while it's not a piece of pop culture, it is a piece of delicious food, the ghost go. pepper donut from Dunkin' Donuts. All right, Sam. Uh, now that we're done our, tri- our picks of the week, let's get into trivia. It's 14 for me, 13 for you in a race to 11, win by two. It's just because we're both so smart. Uh, that's oh, why yeah, that, 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 that's exactly what it it's is. It's not because the same trivia contest has been going on over a year. No. Uh, it is two for me, two for you for the overall trivia challenge championship. This is the decider. You know, before we crown a true champion and then just start over next week again. But uh, if I get this right without any answers and I go up two, it is over. But I want to give you the chance to tie first to hopefully extend this. All you need is a half point to definitely extend this into at least next week. All right, what do you got for me? I'm going for a third or fourth week in a row with a Pokemon question. But this one is Gen 1, so I hope you get it. All right. And it's also not video games. Okay. So Gengar, one of my favorite Pokemon of all time. He has been featured or it has been featured in 26 different TCG sets. So trading guard game sets. What set was Gengar first introduced in? Oh, I should know this, huh? You should. That's why I asked it. You are getting back into the Pokemon collector stuff. We both know it's an early set because he's a Gen One Pokemon, and he's a popular one. So that he is. I'm. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure I know your answers that you'd give. No, no comment. Yeah. So I don't want to really go there. Or do I? To play it smart. <laughs> 
I kind of want to go my gut, but it might be wrong. All you need is a half point to extend it. I'm trying. I'm like thinking in my head of the symbol of this card. Like, what does it look like? And I can't. Well, there's 26 of them. Don't get yourself too confused. Yeah. G- give me the answers just to, just to play it safe. Was it base set, which is the first ever set? Yeah. Was it fossil? Was it jungle? Or was it expedition? Jungle. Fossil. Damn it. I wish it went with my gut. Son of a bitch. I was just going to say fossil, and I, and I backed out and didn't listen to my gut. Oh, that's sickening. Oh, that's sickening. <laughs> I have a chance to win oh, trivia. Oh, God. That's sickening. Oh, I'm disgusted in myself right now. Should have oh listened God. to my gut. I oh. have a chance to win trivia. We have been waiting for this moment for a long time. Okay, this is Batman related. I am fucked. <laughs> what was Alfred the Butler's original family name? I. Uh, is his is his name Pennyworth? Correct. So, what was his original family name? Correct. Are you like fucking with me and it's Pennyworth? Uh, I don't know. So I, I will need, I can't win tonight because I can't even make an educated guess because I would say Keaton uh, because of Michael Keaton. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll go out on a limb and just say, it's not he was created before Keaton was even born. <laughs> I know. So, All right. Just so you know. Uh, give me the answers. Okay. You have A, Chatsworth, B, Beagle, C, Pennyworth, or D, Adams. So this could have been a trick question because it's Pennyworth is his name now. And I don't even know if he changed it. So I'm going to go with Pennyworth. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> so I think so or in I think it was a detective comics Alf his name was Alfred Beagle the answer was B so he went away for to a spa because he was in the comics he was fatter he went away to a spa came back skinny and changed and then he just became Alfred Pennyworth so he you changed uh, gotcha. so because your question didn't have Pennyworth in it and I I was the one who said it that's why Pennyworth was one of your choices no, no. It, like, again, I already had it. Like Chatsworth was just like some like English. I, I would think of a last name. <laughs> Adam's kind of the same thing. And, you know, Pennyworth, because it's like, you don't know. His name could have always been Pennyworth. And I, like you said, I could have just been messing with you. Yeah. No, that, I, I'm all for it. I just, I was hoping for a trick. Maybe you were going for the trick question thing. Um, Dude, I, I'm just, I'm still pissed at that fossil question. I, I should have got that. <laughs> now, listen, speaking of fossil, I just want to give a super quick update. Um, I have officially caught every non-legendary in the game, including the sword only. Jesus. Um, so I actually went into Pokemon Home and look and looked up the sword exclusives to trade with somebody to see what they wanted. And I actually ended up two people. I found two people that wanted the shield exclusives and they didn't want some fucking random legendary like everybody else asks for. And so I needed Ammonite, which is Gen 1. Yep. And the sword exclusive is Kabuto. So I traded them flat out. I'm a knight for Kabuto. Actually, I'm a star for Kabuto. And then I uh, actually it was Kabutops. And then I just breeded the Amistar into another Ammonite. Gotcha. And then I needed this thing called Bagon, which in it, which uh, evolves into Shelgon and then Salamance as a big dragon. And the shield equivalent is Gibble, is Gibble, which then goes into Garchomp. 
Um, Gabar- yeah, he, I know he was a beast. I remember and, that. Yeah. So I have a Garchomp, but I didn't have another Gibble. So when I found out this guy wanted a Gibble, this is anybody around the world can come in and, and sneak this trade for me. So I'm flying to this cave where I know the Gibble is. I'm going around. I'm trying to catch one in a quick ball. I was this close to do using my master ball in the fucking thing just so I could hurry up and get this trade because <laughs> nobody else was just asking for Gibble. They all wanted the Reggies and these crazy legendaries. So I was like, if I miss this trade, I'm going to be so mad. Luckily enough, three gibbles in. I caught one with a quick ball uh, without even doing damage um, at level 65, traded it off, evolved the the Bagon into a Shellgon, into a Salamence. And on top of that, out of the 40-something legendaries, I only need 11. Wow. Damn, you did work, man. I did. I'm 140 hours in now. So I need 11 legendaries and I then have completely filled the Pokedex legendaries and mythicals included for all of sword and shield, which I take a lot of pride in. I need Groudon, as you know, from the gen three legendary from Ruby. I need Latios, Regigigas, Tornadus, Reshram, Zekrom, Solgaleo from sun and moon, Gastro, uh, glass dryer, which is the ice uh, legendary from sword and shield, Regigigas, which, oh shit, I wrote that twice. So 10. Never mind. I wrote Reggie Gigas twice. Uh, Reggie Alecki, because I chose Reggie Drago in the game. And then Victini, who I don't even know is in the game, but I heard a rumor. So it could even be nine. And then I'm good. Then you're uh, done. You can retire. Yeah, no trades, nothing. I've been going through the Dynamax adventure. I've been getting really lucky and getting a lot of legendaries that I don't have. I've been you know, really lucky to have good teammates and... Uh, I've been catching a lot of my only lost two this uh, this entire week so far. So no shinies. I haven't gotten any shiny luck at all this week. But I did find a couple Gen three starters. So I uh, and they're not even that in the makes Pokedex. up for it. They're not even in the Pokedex. They're actually like a hidden thing you can only get through Dynamax Adventure. So um, I'm I, I think I got all three. I think I got a Blaziken too. So um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm at ten or less now. If Victini's in the game, and then I've completed the entire decks. I'm such a loser. That I even uh, went through my legendaries. I created three boxes for the legendary because I'm on my third box. That's how many I have. And I went through and organized them by generation. Oh, my own. <laughs> and, and for the ones I don't have, I left empty spots in the box. So I could just put them there and not have to reorganize. So that's how much of a loser I am. But how much I care about filling my decks, including legendaries <laughs> and sort of shit. I was waiting for you. Like, yeah, they're in alphabetical order, but I, I uh, guess I guess having them in generations is basically the same thing, kind well, of. Well, I would it, would I even be more nerdy if I told you that I went through my entire decks of six hundred and oh, organized God. them and organized them by generations. So, yeah. not you, in any you are order, a super nerd. <laughs> not in any order inside the generation. That would be too much. Too much fucking around. But I do have them in order by generation. Kanto, and I've labeled them Kanto, Jodo. Owens, uh, Sinnoh, and so forth. So there's a little sword and shield update for you. Uh, hopefully by next week, I've caught every legendary. That would be sick. Hopefully I get some more shinies that I can talk about. Um, but if anybody has any of the shinies that I uh, had said, and for whatever reason want to trade them to me, uh, I'd be down. I'd like to catch them natively, but I wouldn't mind some help. So especially with Reggie Alecki and Glass Dryer. So with that, let's get into the movies and uh, a little bit of a somber note. Uh, I mean, a lot of a somber note. We've lost a legend. And 2020 has kicked us in the ass repeatedly over and over. Chadwick Boseman, uh, Eddie Van Halen, or Eddie Vedder, I can't remember. Um, But just kicked us in the balls a hundred times over. And now I'm grocery shopping. I believe it was Saturday morning. 
I'm in the frozen food aisle. I'm about to pick up some chocolate chip pancakes for my lovely daughter. And Sam texts me and says, fuck Sean Connery. Yeah. Rest in in peace, sir. Thomas Sean Connery. Um, You know, at least, you know, one good thing I I think he passed away in his sleep. Like to me, like when I go, that's how I want to go. And he lived till he was 90 years old. I mean, he lived, he literally lived life to the fullest. My trivia question for you was going to be, what was his actual first name? So you would have nailed that. So, oh, well, you know, I did a little research. Sir Thomas, I I just, I wanted to do that one, but I said, you know what? He's got that one on lock. And, uh, let's, yeah, you, I mean, like you, like, like you said, this one's like, you you had an easy top three. This was a little harder for me because I watched so many of his movies. Like this, this was truly one of the hardest top threes for me. I, I am not a huge gold, uh, not golden. I 007 fan. I don't love Indiana Jones. So for me, it wasn't super difficult to narrow down to three. I actually had four movies of his in my head and it turns out three of them made the list. I didn't really have to do much, you know, debating. I only had to leave one off and it's terrible. So I actually left it off because it's like a good, bad movie. Uh, I like the three that I have, but let's start with you with your number three. My number three, I went with the rock. Um, it was Michael Bay directed this probably one of his best directed movies he ever did him and Nick Cage. You had, um, Ed Harris was the villain who was uh, absolutely phenomenal. Basically the Pentagon, if you remember, they send assassins and an FBI chemist into this. And there's like a rogue Marines take over the, um, uh, Alcatraz and they, they basically, they take people prisoner and they said, if we don't get money, we're going to blow up and you know, all kinds of crazy shit. And just, I don't know. I just love Nick Cage. And I thought him and Sean Connery just work so well together. And I know this is definitely like top. It has to be top like five, 10 for people who like Sean Connery. It's also my number three. Hey, I love Ed Harris in it. He is yeah. actually, the, he's one of the best villains. I couldn't believe how he was the one who kept me coming back. And that's a star studded, uh, protagonist cast and to have Ed Harris kind of just blow me away from the villain standpoint, man, I echo everything you said. I won't add anything on to it. I just, I actually, I really like the rock and that's not a movie I typically would like. Yeah. And you're really not like a, you're like a, a Michael Bay kind of guy. And it's like this, this is one of the good ones that he made except for his turtles movies. I actually love them. I do. Oh, this turtle. So it kind of, it was a spoke to our childhood. My number two, like, again, this is tough, but I went with the untouchables. I watched this movie so many damn times and talk about another movie with a great cast. Kevin Costner, Andy Garcia, um, you had uh, Robert De Niro as Al Capone. Based on the book by the same name, Brian De Palma directed it. His Jimmy Malone death scene, I still see it like one of, to me, it's one of, one of the best movie death scenes. Like the fight he was doing it, how he tried to escape and ah. Uh, Absolutely. If you've never seen The Untouchables and basically the story how they caught Al Capone with tax evasion, watch Untouchables. It is fantastic. My number two is The Untouchables. <laughs> oh, my God. I, re- I really thought we were going to have different. I, I, our number one has to be different. I know what your number one is. I think I know what your number one is. I went different. I lo- I'm a, such a sucker for gangster films and yeah. and just gangster document anything I can get my hands on with the mob and organized crime. I'm such a sucker for it. And on top of that, Al Capone has always been such a polarizing figure for me. So uh, I, it was the year before I was born that film came out, but I'd, I'd like to think that I was born along with it. 
Uh, I just, I love that film. It's something that I grew up with. Um, and I, I can't really add any more color than you already did. I just, I love it. And it was super hard to keep off my number one, but there was one film that stands out uh, from a Sean Connery performance perspective, but yeah, love the untouchables. Great call. Yeah. I mean, I even remember watching it in school too. So like, I, I really know, like I've seen it so many damn times. Okay. My number one shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but Goldfinger. Yep, it's we have the, a different number one. I I knew we were going to because you're like you said beginning. You're you're not a Bond guy, so r- right off the bat, it's the third Bond movie ever made. The th- his his third time being it. Um, it, this is actually the movie that introduces his famous line: "A martini, shaken, not stirred." That was almost my trivia question for you, but I know you don't know Bond, so I felt like it was a little bit unfair. So I, I didn't want to. Uh, so he went with Alfred deal. Pennyworth, something I know so much more about. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> I'm just I, I kidding. Was, it's all fair. It's all fair. It's all fair. And trivia, also, the all first fair one, and love and trivia. Yeah, yeah, true. And it's also the first time that um, he got to use or have his Ashton Martin. So I felt like this was like the, and I think at the time it was mo- it was way more expensive than the first two that they made. I just thought it clicked with him. It's why he's the reason why James Bond is still relevant today because he started it all all from Ian Fleming's novels. He took it right from the page. And I always found it funny that the one actress, um, uh, what the hell is her name? Let me look it up. What color are those red? Honor Honor Blackman was her name, but she paid pussy galore in the movie. And she always used to love making like the interviewers, like she would say the name, like say her name in, in like the movie and she, she would watch him squirm. And I just thought that was hilarious how she had fun with that role and just how awesome. And, like, and everyone has said who worked with Sean Connery when he was Bond that he was nothing but a gentleman, you know, day in, day out. So rest in peace, sir. And just Goldfinger, easy, my number one. What's my number one? If I had to guess your number one. um, Hold on. So I know you wouldn't be. Oh, you might be the hunt for Red October. Ding, 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 yeah, ding, ding. Yeah. That that it was that that was my four or five in it with Indiana Jones Last Crusade. It it was so tough. Yeah, I think I was saying for mine was the four movies and the one that I had to keep off. The one that I had to keep off was Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, yeah, and, and and honestly, I I loved Entrapment. It was like one of his like later movies that was with Catherine Zeta Jones. I thought he was great in that. Yeah, Red uh, Hunt for Red October. It's a Tom Clancy story. As a gamer, you know Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, one of the most popular franchises in all of gaming. So that's how I got really into Tom Clancy was through this movie. And then when I hear that he's making games, of course I'm interested in those stories. Now the games don't really hit for me, but that doesn't mean the movie didn't. And Sean Connery, he's joined by Donald Trump himself, Alec Baldwin, um, who does great, a phenomenal great cast. Trump. Another uh, great cast. Yeah, Scott Glenn, James Earl Jones, Sam Neill, like. It, it was a phenomenal cast in 1990. It's, it's the submarine spy thriller, if you will. And it's the first installment of the Jack Ryan film series. Um, so I, there was really nothing that, that could turn me off about this film. Now, I didn't see it until I was in my 20s, and I'm 32. So within the last decade or so, I saw this movie. So I was 20 years late to the party, minimum, on this thing. Um, but I've I, since then watched it like five or six times. What's fascinated to me, what's fascinating to me about this film is the budget was only 30 million. It brought in over 200 million. Oh yeah. So you want to talk about money, a money maker. And I think this really 
now don't get me wrong there were war movies before it and there were you know espionage movies before it and there were espionage movies and war movies after it but this was the one from a fil- from a fan's perspective that i said to myself all right this genre can make boatloads and if you tell just a different story it could be set in that type of era you know the cold war type of era uh as long as it's not that straight save this person get into this thing just a or just a flat war film there was a lot behind this movie and i loved it to death can't say enough sean connery rocks the screen in this film as much as i love alec baldwin in it and this is really the film that put me over the top with alec baldwin um Sean Connery kind of steals it for me. And I think that's the thing that drove me. I might like the untouchables more as a film, but I went with his overall performance and I thought he shined in this one uh, more than the other films I have on my list. So the hunt for red October, my number one. Um, so I would say, listen to have, t- of all- he was in 94 things. So for us to have two of the top three, just not only speaks to how good those films are, but how similar we viewed him as a film legend. I mean, you got to think he ruled cinemas from what, when he was bond, just so you're talking 62 to basically his last big movie was the the league of extraordinary gentlemen that came out in 2003. Yeah. He's the 40 year career. So like he, he, he's been around. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not the only one who growing up may have confused him with Burt Reynolds. I'm not the only one. I don't think there's gotta be another person. There is at least one more person thought that when, Burt Reynolds became the coach in the longest yard that I thought for a second it was Sean Connery. But I digress. We waited all this time just to do a poor Connery impression. So I man, I applaud us for getting through 25 minutes of this podcast or whatever we've been on for without doing a Connery. So yeah, uh, I, I couldn't do it justice. Just rest in peace, Sir Thomas Sean Connery. Now moving on, Brad Payton is teaming up with Dave Batista for a new film. It's called Universes Most Wanted, and it's an alien bandit chase him through the galaxy movie where Dave Batista plays the guy, like the bounty hunter. This says, this has Men in Black meets Drax, and I'm here for it. Well, it, it wasn't Dave Batista that he's been trying to get in a Halo movie made? Yeah. So and, the, like, and he's been trying to get into the Gears of War movie, if that's ever still coming. So I, f- I feel like maybe this is his tr- attempt at that maybe to get people's attention and then hopefully do something like that after because Stuber didn't do it. I'll tell you that much. I, I, I did watch. I laughed a couple of times. I mean, it, it's definitely not, I wouldn't say go out and buy the Blu-ray, but yeah, if it's on TV, you know, want to watch it one time. I, 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 I've definitely seen worse. I stand by my worst movie of 2019, but again, I also digress. Uh, I'm really interested in this film. Like really, really interested. Yeah, I, I like Dave Batista. Aliens, action, bounty hunter, psh, sold. And I imagine it's going to have a comedic presence too, because Dave Batista, it every film that he's in, even though he's the he's the jacked straight guy, he plays. I don't mean sexual orientation, by the way. I mean like the straight faced guy. He he plays for every one of those. He plays Drax. He plays the the blind guy from Stuber. Like he has those type. So I'd like to think this film is going to have a comedic twist to it. And again. If you give me Men in Black in 2020, and I'm ignoring International because that movie was hot trash. Uh, I still didn't see that, by the way. Real bad. Like, just real bad. And that's not a knock on Hemsworth or 
I cannot remember who the co-star was, what her name was, but she's and, in the MCU. And she played, and she played Valkyrie. Yeah, she's in the MCU. Her name. <laughs> yeah, um, but regardless, no knock on them. Just a really bad script. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm super psyched on this. Now, there's no release date. There's no release window. I believe it was just announced. Brad Payton, also a pretty big name. Um, so I, I like the director attached to it, and I, and I like Dave Batista. I mean, you know, what – what could possibly go wrong? This is Brad. Let's Payton just hope did. it stays on track. It, you know, we don't get no more delays and they could plan it right. He did uh, journey to the mysterious Island. He did San Andreas in 2015. He did rampage in 2018, which I believe you saw, which was terrible. Yeah, unfortunately. And he did daybreak the Netflix series in 2019. So we're definitely going to get a comedic action thing. Yeah, that's what, we're de- that's what we're definitely getting with this one. Now the creme de la creme, the star of the show tonight, the Mandalorian, as we move into the television section, the Mandalorian is out. Season two is here. We get one episode a week for, I believe, eight weeks. First episode, longer than we expected. Almost like 15 to 20 minutes longer than we expected. Before we get into what we think, I'm going to read the IGN review. And then we can just go off of, do we agree, do we disagree? And then we can get into our feelings. All right, let's do it. The IGN review. A veritable contono of Star Wars Easter eggs and callbacks, plus some thrilling action set pieces, help keep the Mandalorian season two premiere lively. But the episode's familiar story beats and lack of momentum can't help but leave it feeling a little anticlimactic for a season opener. Timothy Oliphant is a welcome addition as Cobb Vanth, and the episode's final moments, which seem to hint at a return for Boba Fett, set up a tantalizing mystery that will hopefully give the season a kick in the jetpack moving forward. 8-5-7-0. Okay. I, I, I think I liked it a little bit more than that. I probably mm-hmm. put mine probably about an 8-5-9 for myself. Yeah. Uh, the only There was only like one thing that kind of, I don't know, that I was like, I kind of wish they went a different route is when, when he landed the ship and um, the lady and the droids there, and I felt like her stupid jokes just fell flat. Like, hurry up. It's good. Good helps. Hard to find these days. I would have cut that whole thing because that was the only thing that I, I felt was just felt. I don't know. Like it was they, they were forcing it a little bit. Well, she is a recurring from season one. So they, yeah. they did the callback and brought her back. The droids are the same droids from, I believe, episode one. Yeah, I, I think it was just her jokes. Like, I, I just it just didn't work for me. But, like, but yeah. I mean that that I'm I have to go nitpicky like that. Like to me, that was the only thing I found that I I, I disliked about the episode. That's okay. I'm the king of going nitpicky. I enjoy going nitpicky because I don't think any show's perfect. But like, if there's something wrong, call it out. And if there's and it maybe not wrong, but something you just didn't hit with you, that's completely fine. And that's what this episode was for me. It was a lot of really high highs and a lot of pretty low, boring lows. And I and I tend to agree with the review, as a matter of fact. And I just read the review for the first time today. I wanted to keep my opinion my own and not have it be influenced by any outlet or anybody else's thought. Yeah. Uh, I just I just happened to agree with it pretty much spot on. I think Timmy Timothy Oliphant stole it. I I loved his character. Um, I love love Timothy Oliphant. His oh. so his intro when he comes in in Boba Fett's armor. Well, what is presumed to be Boba Fett's armor. As soon as he walked in, I was like, "Damn, I missed Justified." <laughs> and and it was it was a perfect 
entrance for the character right now we always talk about mandalorian being like a like a star wars western and oh, this one it was a star wars western 100%. it is a st- this that's what this show is and timothy oliphant one of his better known roles is deadwood which is literally a western so timothy oliphant kind of fit right at home in this universe and also the the bartender i don't know if you if you looked it up but the bartender at the tab that they're at in the beginning was played by w earl brown who played dan doherty in deadwood he was the gem saloon worker under al swearingen who actually uh, goes to kill the little girl in the first episode who offs the Irish guy uh, Driscoll, I think Jack Timothy Driscoll or whatever. Yeah. He does all the dirty deeds for Al Swearingen. So um, yes, did know that did pick up on that. uh, I I, I just love that. It was like a little, like a mini Deadwood reunion. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. And also two people that opposed each other in the Deadwood show weren't exactly best of friends in this episode as the bartender went running when Oliphant's character walked in. Uh, also, John Leguizamo in the episode. Now, they changed his voice, so you really, really had to know uh, to pick up on that, but and, he was... And, and he played it great. Like, you couldn't tell. Like, even when you knew it was him, you like, I went back to hear it, Like the, and the only time I could even tell a hint it was him is when they had him upside down. Other than that, you cannot tell it's him. And that's because we knew it was him. Like, yep. if we had no idea... Oh, then I, it might be a, a I little hard. I don't think anyone had an idea until the credits roll and you saw order of appearance and he was like, John Leguizamo was the third person. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Now, now the thing about John Leguizamo, when we give uh, who, Jesse Eisenberg, we give him a ton of shit for playing the same character the same way in every movie that he's in, the fast talking, like snotty dude. John Leguizamo was that in the 90s. It, listen, from Super Mario Brothers to The Pest to ER, he was the same exact dude in every role. What I loved about this was, again, now a lot of that was in post where they kind of masked his voice and made it different. The fact that John Leguizamo is still doing things like this in 2020, man, just hits you in the feels because we both have a soft spot for, for John Leguizamo. So uh, I, I love the cameos. Um, I loved the, especially, like I said, Timmy, Ol- Timothy Oliphant. I loved the ending. I absolutely adored the beginning. It was the 25 minutes in between that I felt exactly where I felt in the middle of season one, where it just lost a lot of momentum. I feel like his goal of finding other Mandalorians is not really super clear. And it's the same kind of thing as last season where it's like uh, it's like story well, of the week. Well, it I mean, he, he still don't know what he's doing with, with baby Yoda. You know what I, I mean? I, I get that, but I, that's, that's kind of the point. It's like, this is where you, this is what you chose to do. You only have eight episodes to tell this story and for it to be so unclear, even after one 40 plus minute episode of, and Baby Yoda showed up like four times. Like he wasn't really a main stay. Actually, which, which I kind of liked that he kind of was, you know, on the like the back burner. Like he wasn't the main focus. Like I love the crate dragon. I love the callbacks from the original ones where they they're walking past. They see the bones of the crate dragon. The special effects I thought for the crate dragon were fantastic. I definitely yeah. got. I definitely had some uh, tremors vibes. Totally. And you go back and listen, they go back to Tatooine, which is a huge callback to, to the first uh, yeah. trilogy. So like, 
There's I get a lot that. of callbacks. Oh. Sure are. And in every episode there is. And, and I, you know, I'm not a big enough Star Wars fan to to get all that. So I do get a lot of my Easter eggs from Screen Crush and from Emergency Awesome. And, and, and we like know if, if you want to get the full Star Wars, you definitely have to look at, at Sean over at MRC Tech. He's the full Star Wars, you know, the expert. I, I just feel like the casual viewer, which is – uh, just a huge majority and i know i always speak for them yeah it's like they come for baby yoda and there just wasn't a lot going on there and it's like the story is literally revolving around it uh this season he's trying to find other mandalorians to figure out what to do with the child as they say baby yoda and like we still don't know and this was just like the big bad for the one episode i don't think timothy oliphant's gonna be in it that much he'll be back He'll be well, back. I, I, I think that he basically hinted like hope our paths cross or something. Like it, to me, it's like okay, they're they're gonna, but they're like gonna, that's you're the gonna same, same again. But that's the same story beat as the fucking first season with the uh oh my gosh, what are their names? Um, oh Gina Carrado and oh, who's the oh god, who's the other guy that he's with the last episode? Uh, I'm I'm looking it up, but like oh Apollo Creed guy, yeah, Paul Weathers. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So like he's with them in the beginning. And then guess what? They come back at the end and they, they go forward with it. And it's like, it's the same thing they're setting up. He's going to make a huge, awesome. And same with fucking the droid that Taika Waititi played. He's there in one, he's gone for a while. He comes back later and that's what they're setting up again. I just get a lot of the same vibes of season one. And there's not a lot to like differentiate it for me. There wasn't, I didn't feel like this was season two. I just felt like this could have been episode nine. And that's what I mean. That's what they build it as. They build it as chapter nine. And, and which I, I, I like. I, I like that they're just continuing kind of where he left off, where we left off at the end and just kind of seeing his journey. Like I, I, I never expected him to just land on Tatooine. Like, oh, here are all the Mandalorians. Got uh, and, season over. And you're not – you're absolutely not wrong. But this just didn't feel like a season premiere to me. I feel like it – like where was Moff Gideon? Where was – and even in the recap from season one and the posters and the promotional material, every single one of them had Giancarlo Esposito cutting out of that uh, – of the speeder or the TIE fighter, whatever it was, the fighter thing with the black saber. Where was that? And it's not – See, like I, I wasn't even thinking that. Like we're going to get to that. Like, he, but we uh, only have eight es- episodes. Esposito Seven. already – he already – Esposito already said in interviews that – there is major fight scenes with him in the Black Saber. So like we know we're already getting that. Like me, I was just happy to see Timothy Oliphant's character. I was happy to see Boba Fett's armor. And I'm just happy to get to get Mandalorian back. Just when they first stand off, like take off the armor now. When they had to stand off, I was like, oh shit, oh shit. And I just felt like, I don't know, to me, I, I loved it. Like I knew you said it, it was longer and I, I, I wanted it to keep going. I, I really, truly love this world that, that the Mandalorian with John Favreau and Dave Filoni, what they're, what they're, what they're doing with this show. This is not, this comp is not because I felt it was the same quality as what I'm about to compare it to. I'm just saying the, the structure. That's all I mean from this comparison. Gotcha, is the gotcha. structure. This was the walking dead. And by God, that, God, I'm, how dare you? And, and that, and by how dare you? I, I had to preface it with I meant structurally, not boring wise. I'm still saying erroneous. A piece of shit show, but this was 40 minutes to get you to the teaser. This was 40 minutes to get you to that shot of Boba Fett, dude. And you got to see the jetpacks in action. You had this. You got to see the the, the crate dragon spew his stomach bile and just burning these. And, and guess what? 
it's dead and Oliphant's gone. So this 40 minutes, what did it really get you? His his relationship with Baby Yoda is the same. There was no development there. The, Oliphant is gone for what we know. He got the armor. I guess you could say he got the armor and we got the tease of Boba yeah, Fett. It's like, I don't know, like he, he, made, he, he made another ally. So when he's going to need help, which I know he's going to need, he has another ally on his side rather than just Carl Weathers and, and, and Gina Carano. Besides yeah. that, like, he's going to need a little army here. You're not wrong. And I guess that's like the big takeaway from this episode. But like, I felt like it was 40 minutes of let's get you to where you need to be so we can show you Boba Fett. And it's like, I, I just I, felt I, I love very. The, I love the callback of of Timothy Oliphant when he's in the armor when he does his missile. It was still the same sound effects as the movie. Uh, there, there were just like so many little touches like that that it was just that was freaking neat. You're you're totally not wrong. Like I don't want to make it sound like I didn't love the episode, but I don't like this is what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to love this episode just because I waited a year and the Mandalorian is back, which I felt like some people could have been swayed to do like, I'm just happy in this bullshit year. That is 2020. Like we got a bright spot. I wanted to watch this show and say, is it good or is it not? Did it appeal to me or did it not? And I don't want to take away from the fact that I enjoyed the shit out of what I, of, of, like I said, very high highs. I loved a lot of this episode, but I really could have done with 15 minutes cut off. And to your point, yes, that whole thing in Tatooine at the station with, with, I can't even remember her name and that, that is the the comedian. It was, it was pointless filler. You're absolutely right. But I also feel like them just driving through the desert together. Oh, look, it was, it's like Anakin's pod. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's a, that's, that's exactly, it was a nod. That's exactly what it was. But that's the thing. This was 40 minutes of Easter eggs and nods for the hardcore. It didn't do anything for the casual. There wasn't enough baby Yoda for the people that just go on Instagram and talk about baby Yoda. So like this appealed to the, the MRC techs of the world and to the Oliphant fans of the world. But I mean, I mean just, that, that could be one of the main reasons why I liked like I truly think Timothy Oliphant's a great actor. So like, maybe if Oliphant's character is played by somebody else, maybe you don't feel the way you do. No, 100 percent. That 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 could be true because it was just kind of, you know, I, I misjustified. I consider that that was such a great television show and, and kind of him picking back up and the little cameos that this this man learn every episode. There's that new surprise cameo that you never knew it was that person. I don't know. I, I thought they they're off to a good start. And I'm interested to see, especially that that tease at the end. Now, listen, they got me on the tease, right? Like just like you, I'm I'm still interested. I just feel like if it wasn't Oliphant, which it was, like there's no denying, like hindsight's always twenty twenty, and there's always you can play the what if game. But the fact is, Tim, Timothy Oliphant is in this show, and he did a great and you know, great and, job, and he, and he had big shoes to fill for that role. He sure did. And so again, I'm not. I did not hate this episode. I did not even dislike it. I just thought that it was 40 minutes of Easter eggs that could have been told in 25. And I was on this podcast saying I liked the longer episode because I felt like the old ones were too short. But now I see why they did it that way. And I'm kind of like, let's find a middle ground here. Let's not go so ham on the callbacks and on the cameos and on this and on that, which I understand is a very big appeal for a lot of folks. At this point, I'm just like, tell me a better fucking story. Yeah, like if you I, can do that in 30 as opposed to 40, I'd be okay with it. I mean, I, I still want to see where where the story goes. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't mind if the next episode's 45 minutes. It, it could be 35 minutes, or so whatever it is. I'm I'm there till the end, no matter what. As long as as long as they don't, I don't just try to just force the comedy 
down our throats, which, which is what I felt with that with that scene when he landed the pod. Her little couple one-liners, I literally would have cut that whole thing, have them land, and just have them meet each other, and then bam, end scene, off to the next. I that would have been my only little nitpick of that episode. I'm still in. Like, I'm still... Of course, well, I know you're I'm not still, giving up. I'm still well, well in. I mean, the, this show, season one, I still think was the best piece of Star Wars content I've ever consumed. So I'm Same not ready here. to just, like, give up. Um, I still have a lot of hope for it. I, Pedro Pascal, let's not forget, he's still phenomenal in the role. Oh, oh God, yeah. Um, so, and I'm sure we're going to get more Baby Yoda. And I, I do appreciate they didn't go overboard with him. Like, I'm okay with the little – and what they did show, he was funny or it. I just said it was funny, uh, especially when he you know hits the button and the pod goes up. And that was it was funny as hell. I, w- like, I wish they didn't show that in the, in the teaser trailer. I and, wish they saved that for the, the episode. But it, 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 was, it was still cute. I agree. That totally could have lived without seeing that a hundred times before I saw. Because we're going to see the damn. We were going to see this anyway. That would have just been a fun, cool moment that we would have all laughed out loud. The, the trailer time. was basically the the first five minutes of the episode. Oh, a hundred percent. So like, I, I'm, I'm super happy that it's back. Like, I'm not going to lie. I've been waiting for it just like everybody else. I'm just not going to fake loving it because it's back. I really enjoyed it. I love Oliphant. I just think the forty could have been thirty. Uh, it could have been a little bit more like impactful and I'm just waiting for the story beat that keeps me going to where when I'm not watching the show, I'm like, man, yeah. I wonder where this is going because right now it's a show that I wait for Friday on, but I don't think about it on Tuesday. And and I did like the fact, again, it was like another nod to the movies where uh, Mando hits his jetpack and he flies up when the movie, when uh, Han Solo accidentally hits it and he flies. Like, I thought that was a nice little touch. Like, again, I'm not a full Star Wars nerd, but like something like that, I do remember. Like, I know some of the graffiti. I know some people, oh, that's this, that's this, that stuff I didn't pick up because that, I, I, I don't know Star Wars that much. But when he do hits the jetpack, that's something I do remember. And uh, what was it called? The Kray Dragon or something like that? Kray Dragon, yep. That, that thing was amazing. The, the special effects on that was phenomenal. Uh, especially when he comes out of the mountainside. Hey, you, you, know, you got Tremors vibe. You got the Dune vibes. Or the Dune, Dune vibes is strong. And just totally strong. You got to give it to, to Dizzy. The special effects were fantastic. The jetpack flying, I thought was great. And I was like, okay, guys. You know, and I, I again, like, I know you said people want to see the baby, baby, you know, Yoda. Let's say, okay, he's cute and all. And he's obviously powerful. But I just love that he kind of was the backseat, this one. He just, he was quiet. Don't worry. He's going to be, have his story moments. I'm sure he's going to be taken and all that stuff. But for this one, I like that he was kind of quiet. And again, don't disagree. I I just felt like in the season opener, maybe this was the time to ham it up a little bit and then put him or it a little bit more in the back burner as you build the story through the season until the big climax of most likely him being abducted and and what that looks like. Cause I I'm right there with you. I, you know, I'd bet dollars to donuts that that's what happens as well. Um, So again, looking forward to it. I don't want it to come off like I didn't like it. I just thought it would have been more impactful if it was just a little bit shorter. I'm still open to the format. I'm not changing my uh, thought. Twist it. We're still going to be here Friday morning watching the show. Right. And I'm still in for the 40 minute thing. I just want a, a little bit. I just would like a little bit more out of the story, maybe a little bit more direction, um, a little bit more than just like flavor of the week. Cause right now it's like a law and order episode. It, it starts and ends in one episode and then they just go on to the next one. And then maybe you'll see that character later. And I just want more of a flowing story. So I think we'll get that. I, I hope we do. Um, I wouldn't mind like a, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a, a little bit of like 
stakes. Like there really isn't stakes right now. So give me some stakes. He was, he was in the belly of the crate dragon. But you knew he was going to get out as the season premiere. Of course, of course. I'm, I'm just so just like a little bit of stakes and and something to like fight for, as opposed to just I'm looking all over these planets for these people. I'm I I want something to happen where he's got to overcome something. So uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm more in line with the seven um, that IGN gave it, but I think better days are ahead. At least in my opinion, I know it started off on a high note for a lot of folks. So not going to deny that. So every week we'll touch on the episode that was, maybe we won't spend as much time like we did today. I think it also depends, you know, what stories are out there. If we got a lot of stuff to talk to, you know, we'll, we'll definitely cut it short, but if we have some time, we're going to speak on it. Yeah. And, and I think it's important because it's a show that's for sure going to be in the conversation. I, for I mean, considering it was the reason I paid for Disney service for a year, basically watching nothing for just the show. So yeah, you got Togo out of it. Yeah. Togo and <laughs> two or three episodes of Gargoyles that I watched. Let's talk about Stargirl, another show that this year kind of took us by surprise of how much we both really, really enjoyed it. And again, another show that is in consideration when it comes to our year-end top three. They've made two castings for Eclipso and Shade for season two. Yeah, and both, I'm I'm here for it. Both villains, uh, we got Nick Tarabay cast. Is he? I think he's Eclipso, right? Yes. Wow. That's what it that's what it would allude to, yes. And then you have Jonathan Cake as the Shade, who is actually a pretty cool villain. It, we know um, big ass top hat and some fucking freaky fingers. Yeah, I'm yeah like, he basically controls the shadows. So yeah. that, that's freaking cool. And and Eclipso is strong as shit. And we already know Tick Tarabay can play a sick bad guy. He is an awesome as a villain. I am uh-huh. all in for season two. Yeah, I you know, listen, we're Spartacus nuts. Uh, on this show and anytime i can get my boy asher back oh. into anything i'm all in and he was captain boomerang in arrow yeah that's right and, and i never watched arrow episodes he had to stop because he was in suicide squad so yeah. I, i'm i'm all about uh starting arrow i got three episodes in and for whatever reason stopped i'm all about getting back into that as one of my next big shows uh my pick of the week next week will be a show i recently got back into and finally I'm going to finish. So I'm really excited to talk about that. I think once I'm done that, I'm going to choose between like arrow and flash and just pick one of those and really dive in. Um, most likely arrow. I've heard I think arrow things. again, the first two seasons, it never got better than the second. The second season was fantastic. The season finale of uh, episode, or season one of Stargirl really led down a path of they're going to bring back and introduce actually, I should say a shit ton of, of interesting villains for season one. How do you top all the villains we saw from the first season. Well, let's bring in some major ones like Eclipso, like Shade. And to start it off with these casting choices, I think is a perfect step in an even better direction for an already really strong show. Yeah, and a show that none of us expected to, I don't think anyone expected this show to be as good, but hey, I'm all in for Stargirl. I I would imagine probably Swamp Thing for you, but is this potentially your favorite DC Universe type show? Or at least one that originally appeared on that service. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, uh, you know, of, of that service. You know, again, when you say show, it's like Arrow comes to mind because the first two seasons were were amazing. Right. But, you know, this this for coming out of nowhere and Swamp Thing definitely are on another level. From like the DC Universe app back when that was a thing. RIP. Hello, HBO Max. Titans available now. You have Titans. You have Doom Patrol. You have uh, Harley Quinn. 
you have Swamp Thing, you have Stargirl. They're really the five. Uh, oh, and Young Justice Young season Justice. three. So there were really the six shows that were on the service before it got moved all to HBO Max, and even Doom Patrol season two was on there uh, simulcasted. So um, Stargirl, to me, man, I just I loved it. I'm so 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 pumped for season two. Even more pumped now for these castings. Let's move on to the Chappelle show, a show we never thought we'd talk about again on this podcast, but it's coming back. It's getting another life in November. It's coming to both Netflix and HBO max. I I can't imagine what they paid him because he turned down a stupid number back in the day. And I can only imagine that number went up Netflix and HBO max. It's like shark tank. Two sharks went in and said, all right, we're going to go give you a billion and we'll split it. Uh, I'm I'm imagining they made a pretty handsome deal, and Dave Chappelle never has to never yeah. has to go on stage another day in his life. Yeah, I'm a, or even though he he still will obviously he loves it, but I imagine he got one of the Adam Sandler deals of like a hundred million or something like that to for something like this. And it's gonna and guess what? It'll be profitable. That's how popular this show is. Oh yeah, I, I can't wait, and it's on Netflix. Perfect. Yeah, and and for me, HBO Max and Netflix. I don't know. Why I would choose one or the other, I'd probably go Netflix because it's oh, yeah, well, whichever one's easier to you know to get on to me. My remote has a Netflix button; it does not have an HBO Max button. So there you go. <laughs> Our last story in TV um, could be a movie, but I'm thinking based on the team behind it, it'll be a series. So that's why we put it in TV a documentary series. The team behind the Last Dance, which was Sam's pick of the week about a month and a half ago. Fantastic documentary. If you like Michael Jordan, watch that. They are now making a documentary on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell yeah. I mean, come on. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. We know he's got a, a crazy career. You know, obviously he – Also a short-lived WWE career as yeah. Stone Cold. He goes back to stunning Steve and all this, but Stone Cold wasn't around that long. No, he, he really wasn't. And he said, you know, well, when you break your neck on in, in, in the ring, I mean, it, it's kind of tough to come back from that. But he did little stuff after that. But it'd be interesting to see how he got there. What was the fame like, the parties, after the injury, post-surgery, and, and, and rehab and trying to get back and maybe going into his movie career. I'm interested as hell to watch this. Arguably the reason pile drivers are condemned and not allowed in the WWF slash E. Unless that you're Undertaker. Was that was that the standard pile driver? We'll say. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Is, is the uh, is because of Owen Hart uh, drilling his neck into the mat, and he finished the match. So for everybody that says wrestling's fake, look at the injuries that some of these people sustain. Triple H ripping his his freaking oh uh, ligament God. off the bone. Yeah, that that that's to me like that, and and watching the Stone Cold, I still like kind of have to look away. I just kind of get the chills. And I get like the heebie-jeebies because it was oh. The network, WWE Network, doesn't even edit out the pile driver. Like they no, keep no, it in. Everything. You so see, you see him laying there when he tries to pin him, and he's trying like to stand up. And oh my god! It, yeah, it, and he, he just rolls him up into a small package, and Owen just like f- flails around like a magic carp, yeah. not even able to kick uh, out. He, he did, you know, he knew he hurt him, and uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. But like, okay, so I've seen three or four different stone cold documentaries. WW network has produced a couple. It's like, I know the story, but whenever you get an outside perspective, not told by the WWE because they can control the narrative a lot better. Like I look at the Ric Flair 30 for 30 
and it's one of my favorite 30 for 30s it's and it's more interesting. Still got to watch. I cannot believe I didn't see that yet. And it's more interesting than what if WWE did it and the Andre the Giant documentary. More interesting than if WWE would have done it because again, they control that narrative and it's more than just his career in the WWE. I want the Stone Cold story from WCW when he was stunning Steve Austin and he was thrown out because he was a, not a great wrestler or when he came in. Did you know that he was with Ted DiBiase, the millionaire uh, the million dollar man? That was his original manager. He had this the the million dollar belt. So like there's things about him. He had very long blonde hair. He yeah. was not a, you know, he was not the badass bald kick-ass beer guzzling guy that we know today. So there was a lot of elements to his story and career that we, you know, that the casual may not know that, you know, even the hardcore back in the nineties, but just was a little late to the party. Didn't know you're going to get a lot in this. And with the detail that that team put into the last dance from fucking footage, that's 25 years old. That stone cold was around the same time as that bulls team, the 96, 97, 98s kind of when he got introduced into the early two thousands. This could be, one of the at least again from from being a kid growing up watching us, this could be my new favorite documentary about any wrestler because as of right now, I don't think anything touches the Andre the Giant. And I didn't see the Ric Flair though, so I could be wrong. Uh, Andre's a little better. Andre's a little better. Andre's that that's a well, he's just, a legend. He's come. I mean, they're both. I mean, so is Flair. Flair's arguably the most popular wrestler of all time, maybe outside of Hogan. And like we like to think that The Rock and Stone Cold, those guys are in the top five to seven, but they're not one and two. Like. Hogan dominated professional wrestling and flair was in every territory like those two. And then you have even like the Freebirds, and, and so, you know, and macho man and, and uh, the, the, it's crazy to think that stone cold who we would probably put one or two Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, the undertaker, all those guys are up there. Undertaker still goes today. He might be even more than, than stone cold because of the longevity. So it's just nuts to think how, how influential this one human was. I'm so pumped for this documentary. Give me all the episodes. I'd love 10 episodes. I don't yeah, want just no, 10 is perfect. I'll take it and I'll take it over in gaming. We only got two stories, but first one, Ubisoft delays the avatar game to 20 to 2022 to align with the sequels release. No surprise here. Why release a game when your movie's not coming out for two years, uh, you're going to lose all the steam it's yeah. tough to develop games right now at home. We're learning that from CD Projekt Red and Nintendo. Um, so, and and quite frankly, Microsoft with Halo Infinite. So I have no interest in the movies. I have no interest in the game. It's a smart move strategically and financially for Ubisoft. Delay it. Align it with the with the movie, which I think will yeah, also yeah, not do great. You have to do it with the movie. But but this will help each other's sales from a box office and, and uh, uh, NPD standpoint. So listen, do I give a shit? No, but does it make sense? Yes. Like I'm, I'm out on the game, but sadly I'm in it for the movies. Oh, <laughs> and the last one we have up miles Morales is getting a spider verse suit. And the way that insomniac did this graphics, the, did the graphics, the suit looks fine, right? The suit looks great. It looks perfect. It, but the way the gameplay plays when you have that suit on it's different than normal it plays like you're in a claymation in like almost like you're in into the spider verse that that animation style it looks like the frame rates five frames per second and it's choppy as shit but it's done intentionally to match the look and feel of the movie and they nailed 
Yeah. It, the detail that had to probably go into that. The, you're fucking up your game. You're making your game run differently just to put on a suit. And then when you take off the suit, the game then has to go back to playing normal. Yeah. Like, do you know how hard that is from a technological state? You literally have to fucking program that suit for every interaction in the game to play and look differently. God damn, Insomniac. What a great attention to detail. Yeah, they definitely went all out. And I mean, it's smart. The movie did so well. What, what a nice touch to add in. And you know everyone who has the game. I'm going to have to try the suit out. Like, no matter, Even though if, if I don't stick with it the whole time, I'm going to play it for at least 20 minutes. I loved the comic book suit in the first game, the cartoony uh, hand-drawn one. That was actually my favorite suit. I'm just sticking with that one. Uh, if it's available in Miles Morales, who knows? But I'm excited to get my hands on all those suits. I mean, listen, we're a week away. We are a week away. In less than a week, Series X's will be in our hands. Yeah, I'll, I'll, week, be, I'll be contacting Mr. Shriver soon for when we can meet up so I can get my PS5, baby. And 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 I'll have Miles Morales on PS4 shipped to my house. So in like the next two episodes, potentially even episode 211, we might have early, early Miles Morales impressions. At least I will. Um, At least for me, assuming Amazon delivers Spider-Man on time. Right, exactly. That's number two. Uh, and But definitely for 212, not only should we have Miles Morales impressions, but Sam should have his PS5 impressions. Oh, God, yeah. I, hey, knock on wood, assuming everything goes good, Chris gets it day one. As soon as he gets it, I'll drive to his house. He can leave it on the step for me. I'll meet him. I don't care. I'll meet him anywhere. Just... Got to get my hands on it. In some countries, the uh, PS5 will be delayed until 2021. So okay. uh, at least shipments of it will be. So that's going to that's gonna suck for a lot of folks around the world. But uh, here's hoping selfishly and for our pod and for our listeners, Sam, that you get your PS5 very close to launch so we can talk about it on this podcast, my friend. Oh, baby. Let's get into our last story of the night before our CGC Spotlight one of my favorite segments we have every single week. And this is an album review. And like I said, I wanted to give it its own time in the sun. I wanted to give Eli Hertz its own time last week. And I wanted to give girlfriends their own time this week. Now, if you're listening and you see your girlfriends, I've heard that before. That's correct. Uh, we've actually done a review of their first single uh, called California on this show. I don't even know, man. It must have been two or three months ago, maybe. Uh, but we did a review of that single. And again, thanks to our friends at BPM for not only hooking us up with the Young Culture interview, but for also the review copy of this girlfriend's record. Um, but just happy to report that how hype I was around the song California continues for this record. It is self-titled, so just like Young Culture, Girlfriend's self-titled album called Girlfriend's, lowercase g, by the way. Check this one out. So it came out October 23rd. 14 songs. Oh, I like the length. Not every day we get albums of 14 songs now. We're usually in that 10 range, and sometimes we get lucky with 12. I'm here for 14. It is an explicit record. There are a lot of songs with the old E on there. It would have one of those parental advisors if you were buying it at the wall. Uh, or, Sam, or Sam Goody. Uh, is that still around? No, that's FYE. Uh, well. That sucks. Um, but another reason... I wanted to separate the two reviews from Eli Hertz and this one. The song I loved last week and will continue to gush about from Eli Hertz is the fucked up things about us. My favorite song on this record is called we're all fucked up. <laughs> I just felt like it was a little too similar. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh, and I didn't want to confuse the two, but of the 14 songs, about 36 minutes. So the songs are pretty short, 
pretty digestible. You fit less than 37 minutes on 14 tracks. You're going pretty quick. And that's what this record feels like. It feels like it doesn't ever stop. And it feels like there's not like a letdown. It just goes and goes and goes. And I like the quick hitters. I don't like, listen, I love a good seven minute May song just as much as the next guy. You give me fisherman all day, uh, communication, all that good stuff. But there's something about a tight, Two to two and a half, two forty-five minutes. Boom, 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 and we're on to the next. That's what Girlfriends does really well, and the record just flows. Jessica, another one of my favorite songs in the record. I still love California. That song holds up even from a few months ago, after all this other music has released. And my other favorite uh, would be Right Place, Wrong Time. So actually, the final two tracks on the record, Right Place, Wrong Time, and We're All Fucked Up. It's just a great way to end the record. You feel after 12 songs, what else could they have up their sleeve? They pull out these final two. And I'll tell you, Girlfriends by Girlfriends, a big success. Um, it's just another hard-hitting record in 2020, which, which I've been on record as saying 2020 with all the shit going on is going to deliver some of the best music pretty much ever produced, at least in the last 20 to 30 years. Um, maybe even longer just because of the situation that we're all in. And I'm glad to report that girlfriend's another band that knocks it out of the park available now on Spotify, wherever you get your music, uh, check it out. It is girlfriends by the band. Well, the duo girlfriends, Sam, give us your CGC spotlight this week. CGC spotlight this week. Again, it's DC Batman books. Cause I'm almost out of CGCs Batman three fifty seven. The first full appearance of Killer Croc, Waylon Jones, and Jason Todd. The Atari insert is included in the book. I have it. Mm-hmm. In- yes. Yeah, because you know when you're younger, you took out these little, you know, these little inserts. You ripped them out, so this one survived. And it, and if it wasn't, they would note it. It would probably. I don't even know if it'd be blue label. They would probably consider it incomplete and say, you know, it's not included. But I got it in a nine eight white pager. Jerry Conway story. Don Newton and Alfred Alcala art, Ed Hannigan and Dick Ordana cover. It's it, it, the cover is Batman. He's being just an octopus that just has him tangled in, in his freaking arms. And it, I just freaking love it. Killer Croc is one of my favorite villains for Batman and having a, a, a double first appearance of him and Jason Todd. To me, it's a must own for any Batman fan. Came out in March 1983. So a nice little Bronze Age key. There are a total of 215 copies in a 9-8 census. So it's not too crazy when you think of, you know, other books like that where they have like 1,000, 2,000, like Better A Bill or somebody like that. 341 9-6s, 283 9-4s, a total of 1,480 total graded on the blue label on the CGC census. So the story we got is called Squid. Batman is on the lookout. For the associates of the crime lord called Tony Falco, Falco. no relation to Shane Falco, who has <laughs> already <laughs> I love the fact that the replacements have found its way onto this podcast. That's how we do it in 2020. Yeah, I think, that, I think it came out in 2002. Was it? I thought it was 99. Maybe 99. Maybe maybe even 2000. But yeah, you're. It's a 20 year old movie. Great movie who has been already captured by the authorities. However, during his investigation, Batman leaves that most are being recruited by this squid, a former spy turned gangster. So now Batman's got to go in there, find a squid. You still, you, you still never really met 
Killer Croc yet or Jason Todd per this this synopsis. So you get to them later in the story. So if you want to read more about it, Batman 357. Also, uh, I'm a big Brooke Langdon fan. So there's that. She was uh, the love interest in The Replacements. She was Annabelle. Oh, and you uh, were beautiful. And name a, and name a better movie coach than Gene Hackman. No, I, yeah, I think I said it when we mentioned last time. For, again, how this is another reason why Keanu is so great. He took a pay cut in that movie to get Gene Hackman into that movie because he knew that it would, up, it would up the movie, it would up everyone's acting levels. And just, again, just another reason why Keanu Reeves is one of the best actors out there. Big up to our dog, Keanu. But that was it. That was episode 210. Uh, we definitely made the best of it. Uh, we thought we were going to go like 40, but of course we talk a lot, mostly me. And, that's and what we, uh, we talk and note things. That's, that's right. And uh, we, we turned this into a hell of an episode. So thanks everybody for coming along for the ride. Monday morning, 6 a.m. Check out our uh, interview with Alex from Young Culture. It'll be available as a bonus episode. So as a matter of fact, if you go to your feed uh, and you're playing this one, you actually uh, just – get let it, let it play and then uh, you know the interview will come on and everybody will be better for it so check it out young culture uh really looking forward to to seeing where they go just quite frankly one I of the better up and coming show again is that so much to ask i know right one of the better up and coming pop punk bands coming around and they are a pop punk band that don't really play pop punk it's pretty pretty neat stuff so check them out young culture and uh hopefully we have some ps5 and spider-man stuff for the next couple weeks we will don't get me wrong i just I just, I cannot wait. So looking forward to that. Sam is going to have a PS5. I will not. Uh, so I will not have hands on. So Sam, no pressure. It's literally all in you. Well, I mean, Chris, it's all in your hands. <laughs> Sony, please ship the units. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week for episode 211. No more text calls, emails about voting. I fucking voted. Hey.